You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory. Amen. Please do take your seats. Thank you so much, band, for leading us. I think we're okay. Christ is enough. Well, wasn't it great to celebrate those baptisms today? And what Jonathan didn't tell you was that the staff at Higgs are now, they've seen us do two lots of baptisms. And uh, last time, the center manager was deeply impacted by what was going on. She said to us at the end, she's like, I just, she's like, the joy, the way that everyone's for one another. She's like, I just want to join in. And uh, this is the power of the gospel as we're obedient and we respond and people are able to see what Jesus does in our lives and how it changes us as a community. And we thank God and we honor him and we pray we would continue to be able to show Jesus to many, many people in this city of Coventry. It's my privilege this morning uh, to turn us to the word. And so whether you're here in the room or joining us online, why not turn with me? We're going to Exodus chapter 17. 8 to 15. And if you want a title today, it's Fighting Right. The reality is that when we come to Jesus and we start to follow, sometimes uh, we have to fight, and fighting right is really important. We're going to learn about this today. So we're going to read from Exodus 17, verse 8 to 15. It says this, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was that when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. What an interesting account. But I think from this, we can learn some things about how we can fight and win. Anyone here like to win? I think we all like to win. It's why Saturdays for many people when the premiership goes on is uh, either elating or devastating because we all want to win. None of us ever enjoy losing. But really these verses speak this morning into some of the battles that we we may face in life and in faith. I'm going to draw out three simple observations from this text which I think can help us to fight right. The background here, just in case you're not familiar, we join Israel uh, at a bit of a critical point. They are God's chosen people. He has brought them out of slavery. For several hundred years, these people had been in slavery. They'd come to the Red Sea, this famous moment. They were trapped. The Egyptians behind them, the sea ahead of them. And Moses had held this staff, this same rod that's spoken of in these verses out over the sea. And God drove it back and they walked through on dry ground. 
The army had followed, but the sea had come back over them and been destroyed. If you've read Exodus or seen the film Prince of Egypt, you know the story. This is just a few chapters before. It's kind of chapter 14 that happens, and chapter 15 is really just a celebration of it all. And then in 16 and 17, the Israelites' journey really gets going in earnest. And it becomes critical very quickly because there's a need for food and there's a need for water for literally hundreds of thousands of people, which is what the Israelites were. They experienced miraculous provision, clean water when it wasn't meant to be clean. They experienced manna and quail being delivered in every day. And they arrive at this place, Rephidim, where we find them in today's verses. And once again, there isn't any water. And they're like, we are all going to die. And Moses, because God tells him, hits the rock with this rod in his hand and water comes out for it. I mean, there's so much action and drama in these chapters of Exodus. If you want an exciting bit of Bible to read, read Exodus. It's all good, but Exodus has got a lot of drama. But I don't know if you can begin to imagine what these people had been through, what they were going for, what it was like for them. They had grown up in slavery in Egypt. In the recent times for them, conditions had got even harsher as Moses had begun to petition Pharaoh to let them go. Eventually, after the plagues and the Passover, they'd been allowed to go, but then been pursued by Pharaoh's army until they found themselves at the sea and thought they were gonna drown or be killed. They were coming out of a place of oppression, but daily the need for food and water was extraordinary. And they found themselves, their needs being met, but they were still learning independence on God. They must have been terrified on a daily basis. And as if all of that wasn't enough, we come to these verses and we find that the Amalekites come and attack them. They hadn't provoked them or challenged them, but still the Amalekites, that's a very hard word to keep saying, Amalekites attacked them. In fact, if we read in Deuteronomy, this account of the same, it says in Deuteronomy 25, 17 to 18, it says, remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. It says, when you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and attacked all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. The Israelites didn't go looking for a fight. They weren't doing anything they shouldn't have been done. In fact, they were worn out and weary, perhaps as some of you find yourselves today. But they had to fight and to defend themselves. And the first thing really that I wanna draw out today as we consider fighting right is that there is a battle to fight. There is a battle to fight. The Israelites were not looking for a fight. They were not provoking. Of course, some people do provoke a fight. I wonder if we've probably all come across those people, yeah? Maybe you live with them. Maybe you work with them. Those ones who are always spoiling for a fight. You know the ones I mean? But we're not not those, are we? And most people aren't like that. And the Israelites weren't spoiling for a fight. In fact, the truth was they weren't really fit for a fight. They were weary. They were worn out. They had more experience as slaves than as soldiers. They were undisciplined. They were ill-armed. They were apt to grumble. And yet some of them had to fight. The reality is they may or may not have realized it or felt like it. But when they turned up in Rephidim, they turned up as people of promise. They'd been brought out of Egypt as God's people with a plan, with a purpose, with a promise on their life. 
They've done nothing to provoke, nothing to pick a fight, but as God's chosen people, as people of promise, as people of His presence as they would grow to become, their presence in this place was not neutral. And that's why there was a battle to fight. You know, sometimes we can find ourselves in a fight and it's actually our own fault. I know we never like to admit it, but sometimes we bring it on ourselves. Maybe we've provoked, maybe we've goaded someone, maybe we've irritated them, we've been rude or ignorant. I know it's hard to believe of the people sitting on your row, but sometimes we do this. Sometimes we fail to do the things we should do and we find ourselves in a battle and it's of our own making. Or is that just me? Sometimes we're in a battle of our own making, but sometimes we find ourselves with a battle to fight and we don't even understand why. We look around our life and think, I didn't do anything. All I did was follow where God led me. All I did was step out. I do not understand. And such battles, when they come for us, they can knock us sideways, take us completely by surprise. But friends, it's because we are God's chosen people. We're people that when we walk in the room and when we turn up somewhere, we're already people of promise. We're already people of purpose. We're already people of the presence of the living God. And so when we turn up as people of influence like this, people who are positioned, called and placed to bring a different kingdom, to carry a different presence, then for those in that place, our presence is not neutral. Sometimes that can mean that we find ourselves with a battle to fight. You start a new job, and from the get-go, there's someone there who has an issue with you. You haven't done anything, you've not said anything, but your presence there isn't neutral. It provokes a response. It may not provoke an overt fight, there may not be anything, but under the surface, there is a battle to fight. Paul describes it like this in Ephesians 6, verse 12. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You see, there's a battle to fight, but it's not against flesh and blood. So you might find yourself worn out and weary. You might find yourself, you're keeping your head down, you're trying to keep a low profile, but there can still be a battle to fight because we're God's people. And when we turn up, we turn up with promise. We turn up with his presence. And for those who don't fear God like the Amalekites, that can result in a fight. There's a battle to fight and it's not flesh and blood. And if we can remember this, and even at some level come to expect this, then it will help us in our lives in fighting right. Not going after the person, not going how the issue presents, but just thinking, ah, there's a battle to fight, but it's not against flesh and blood. So the Israelites, they found themselves in a fight, and Moses, the leader, he's, he's got to respond, he's got to show how to fight right. And interesting here, he doesn't just find all the ammo he can and just rush out and say, well, we're gonna sort this out, I'm sure God's gonna come with us. What he does is he picks someone to lead, a young lad called Joshua. If you know the Bible, you'll have known lots about Joshua, but this is the first time he gets mentioned. Moses has obviously already got his eye on him as a potential successor and puts him there as the commander in chief. And it may seem to us like a bit of an abrogation of responsibility by Moses here, that there's a battle that needs to fight with a bit of an unruly army and he sends a young lad out to go and fight. 
but it isn't that at all. Because there's something Moses knows, and this is my second point this morning, is that there is a banner to raise. There is a banner to raise, and Moses knows that that is his business. He can entrust the fighting on the ground to Joshua, but he must lead another part of the fighting that is equally critical. He knows that he must raise a banner. You know, raising a banner or raising a standard is not uncommon in military settings, although I know many of us aren't in military settings. Perhaps you've seen a movie before where you have like a medieval battlefield, normally like set on some vast landscape somewhere, and the troops are all lined up and there's weapons and armory, there's horses all lined up. There's this amazing sense of anticipation. Everyone's just like holding ready for the battle. And high above the troops, there's a few with poles, and on them are these massive flags. Standards, banners they're called, and on them they have the mark of the monarch, the mark of the king that they're fighting for. And they're there as a sign for the hosts, the troops, to say this is where the fight is, this is where the battle is, this is where you rally to. Moses doesn't have exactly that kind of banner but he has a standard of a different kind. He has this staff, the rod of God, that he'd been using all the way through the journey he'd been sent on. And he knows that he needs to raise it up like he'd raised it up before. And he's gonna take it up to the top of the hill and hold it out. And as we read through the account, this has a profound impact on the battle. Because when Moses is holding it up, it says the Israelites prevailed. But we all know what happens when you hold your hands up for a long time. You know, the end of a long worship set. You're thinking, no, I need to put my hands up. And then the worship leader says, just, just raise your hands with me. You're going to, no, they're burning. They're burning. His hands start to lower and the Amalekites prevailed. Aaron and Hur had to support him and they, they do so. But this is Moses doing his part in the fighting, raising up a banner. What is he doing here? I want to suggest he's raising a banner of faith and of fervent prayer. You know why he went up onto the top of a hill? I think partly he went up onto the top of the hill because it meant that everyone fighting in the valley at any moment could turn around and they would see the staff of God being held out over them. The same staff that had gone in the Nile and turned it to blood. The same staff that they'd seen held out over the Red Sea and the waters had parted. The same staff that just yesterday or the day before had struck a rock and water had come out from it. Imagine being in a fight and looking up and seeing that same staff held out over you, you would think, we can do this. We can do this. The Lord is with us because raising a banner is about stirring faith. For us, that's maybe more like reminding ourselves of the times God has come through before. The things that he's done, the answered prayer, the testimonies, all the many times that he has averted a crisis when we've cried out to him. This is what Moses is doing. He's raising a banner, raising a banner of faith. But it's not just a banner of faith. It's also a banner of fervent prayer. He is on the top of the hill. He's saying, Lord, you've got to help us. Lord of hosts, we cry out to you. We raise a standard here for your hosts to come and to usher here and to see that this is the place that the king's armies are needed. Come and fight here. Come and bring us success. He wasn't standing there wishing or just watching, but he was asking for help, demonstrably asking for help all the time that the battle raged. And his praying presence on the top of the hill enabled the fighting presence down in the valley. This is how we fight right. 
Sometimes we do need to actually fight. Joshua had to go down into the valley. Sometimes God will ask us to be still as he asks the, uh, the Israelites in chapter 14 at the Red Sea. But here he actually says, no, some people need to go out and fight. Sometimes we still have to face up to the enemy. We may still have to have a difficult conversation. We may still have to face the panel at work or whatever it is. But we must not neglect to raise up the banner, to attend to faith, to attend to fervent prayer, because this is fighting right. And it's not just for Moses and Joshua, it's for every one of us. It's why the psalmist writes, Psalm 20 verse five, we will lift up our banners in the name of our God. The lifting up of a banner is for every one of us to do. I know if we were to ask for stories in the room today, I think there would be many, many hundreds of stories. If we included you joining us online at home, between us we'd have many, many stories of testimonies, of times we'd prayed and we'd cried out to God, times when we did this, times when we realized what was happening and we cried out and the Lord came through for us. You may have heard me tell this story before of a time when we lived in Nottingham, we lived in a semi-detached house, we shared a wall. Who loves sharing a wall with their neighbors? Yeah, it's a wonderful joy, isn't it? We had thin walls and an extremely sensitive and quite tetchy neighbor. And she used to bang on the walls and she used to shout at us if she thought we were making too much noise. And we didn't make a lot of noise, we weren't unreasonable. But she would do this so regularly and so often. I ended up intimidated in my own house. I can remember like having some people around once and I knew one of the guys in the group had a really loud laugh and I was like, just keep it down, don't say anything funny. I was anxious all night lest this guy Simon laughed. This is not right, you shouldn't be living like this. We began to raise a banner of prayer, began to pray fervently, began to pray regularly, lift something up. Sometimes I used to put my hands on the wall. So, Jesus, I lift up your name. Don't know what else to do, but I lift up your name here and the situation turned around. It got so much better. It didn't completely disappear. There was still the occasional shouts through the wall, but it wasn't something that was a regular and present problem and the anxiety in my own heart lifted as we lifted up a banner in the name of God, faith and fervent prayer. He knew how to fight right. There was a battle to fight, but it was not against flesh and blood. And there was a banner to raise of faith and fervent prayer. But it's also good for us here to see what Moses does after the battle. And he's prompted here by God that there is an altar to build. There's an altar to build. I don't know what you're like if you've just been through a bit of an intense time and then you win or it's over or you're finished, you finish working on a dissertation or you finish a big project at work, you go home, you wanna crash, right? Let's have some good food, let's put feet up, and that's all good. This isn't what Moses did. But God comes to him afterwards and says, now you need to write this down. There's a memorial to be had that mustn't be lost. Put it in a book so it isn't, you know, doesn't get lost on the kitchen shelf or whatever. So I want you to remember what happened and know this for sure, that I will completely defeat your enemy. And Moses' response here is to build an altar. I assume that he did write down what he was told you, but he builds an altar, a point of worship and of sacrifice. A place of acknowledging what God had done. A place of connection with God. It's an altar to build. It's a place of worship and encounter and remembrance. 
These are really common throughout the early chapters of Scripture, Genesis and Exodus. We see the patriarchs journeying, pilgriming, and then regularly stopping and building an altar and remembering, acknowledging what God had done and how God had revealed himself to them. And so Moses, we're told, calls the altar, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. In history, often after such a victory, a statue would have been built to Joshua, the victorious commander, but Moses builds an altar, calls it the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. He's acknowledging here the Lord is our standard. He is our banner. He is the flag flying over his people, the hand covering them, protecting them, walking with them, going with them, the power and the presence that is over them. He's the one that gave them victory as they learned to fight right. You see, for us, when we've been through a difficult time, I wanna to suggest to us that actually there's an altar to build at the end of it. Maybe if you've not stopped to reflect after the last few months of COVID, maybe we would benefit from that. It might look as simple as just writing a few words in a journal, and you don't have to be a great writer or have brilliant English or whatever language you speak, but just write down what God has done in this season what he's brought you through. It may be just taking a little time to worship and to thank him for what he brought you through. Maybe to reflect and to note what God has shown you of himself in this time. But finding a way to stop and to acknowledge him, to worship and to remember alone or with others, formally or informally, it doesn't really matter, but there's, a worship, there's an altar to build, to worship and to remember, and there's something about this building of an altar that completes the experience of us fighting right. We begin by realizing there's a battle to fight and it's not flesh and blood, and then knowing that there's a banner to raise of faith and fervent praise, but then also at the end of the experience, realizing that part of the process is for us to be grown and transformed and brought closer to God, and that happens when we build the altar and worship and remember. It's how we come out stronger, ready for the next battle. It's how we learn and grow. So friends, whether in your work or your school, in your family, we're gonna find ourselves in battles. I know that's not what you came to be told to encourage you today, but we are gonna find ourselves in battles, not constantly, but they will come. And Moses shows us here how to fight right. And I wanna encourage us to remember these things, that there is a battle and it's not against flesh and blood, that there is a banner for us to raise up of faith and fervent prayer. And as we go into a time of prayer and fasting this week, let's raise that banner of faith and fervent prayer. Let's lift it over some of the situations of our lives, some of the things that we need to see a breakthrough. Let's lift it up over some issues in our city or nation or some of the other nations of the world. Let's be active in raising that banner. Let's continue raising a banner over racial injustice as we seek to do what we can practically, but also to pray because the name of the God who can make a difference will make a difference. Let's stand with one another this week in prayer and fasting, like Aaron and her coming alongside others whose arms might be tiring, but as we pray and fast together, we can strengthen one another. And let's not neglect to build the altars that we need to bring of worship 
and remembrance. I'm going to welcome the band to come back and to join me. Moses called his altar, the Lord is my banner. It's what he'd seen, it's what he'd witnessed, it's what he'd learned through this particular battle. It's interesting to me that in the last verses, God says, go and recount this to Joshua. He says, rehearse it in front of Joshua. Joshua knew how to fight a battle, but Joshua didn't know fully what had gone on on the top of the hill. And the Lord says, rehearse this to Joshua. He needs to know, he's gonna need this. Maybe that's why a few chapters later we find Joshua lingering in the tent of the meeting in God's presence, learning to pray, but that's another message for another day. But there's a word here that Moses wants the next generation to know. They need to know what happens on the top of the hill when you raise a banner. He said, they need to know that the Lord who was with you in that battle as we raised a standard, as we raise his standard, he will completely defeat your enemies. And that is what he has promised. I know there's some lessons here for us to take away and to weave into our lives, but I want us to respond this morning and encourage us just to activate something as a response today. And maybe you're sitting here listening and, and maybe you know there's some situations in my life that I know I need to be raising a banner over. Or maybe I've faced it as a, a flesh and blood problem, but it's not. I need to start engaging with something spiritual. And I'm just gonna invite you uh, simply to stand where you are, maybe even to raise your hands and just begin to speak the name of Jesus over your situation. I invite you to do that right now if that applies to you. If you know there's a situation where you need to raise up the banner, we're gonna join you in a moment, so don't worry, you won't be alone. Yeah, if you want to, that's it, stand to your feet, just begin to pray. Also, I just sensed as I was preparing that this is, there's a particular word here over our young people and something, a banner that needs to be raised over our young people to speak of life and victory, to lift up the standard, almost to raise it over them and say, this is the place, Lord, where we need your hosts to rally and to fight. I don't know if you're here in the meeting, I expect we'll have maybe more in our next meeting, but if you're here and you're maybe between 11 and 20, I would love it if you would just stand to your feet and join with us because I wanna speak something over you this morning. Thank you. I feel the Lord wants to speak to you, our young people, our Joshua generation. Because I perceive that the challenges of the last 18 months have been really, really tough for you. And I believe the Lord wants to say He knows and He sees your journey. Your friends may not have been there to see some days or they may not have understood, but the Lord sees and He knows. He knows what this has cost. He knows what it's been like. He knows how it's made you feel. He knows the things that you've maybe been tempted to do in this time that you wouldn't normally have done. And he sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And I feel there's something that I wanna ask all of us to do for our young people today and that is to raise our hands up over our young people. So even from where you are right now, just if I can invite everybody to raise their hands, if you wanna to stand to do this or remain seated, I don't really mind. But to look at where our young people are 
And for those who are already standing, who are not our young people, we're standing and agreeing with you also. But we stand here because I believe we need to declare something over our young people today. And guys, we want you to know, we want you to see our hands raised for you today and to see that we are raising a banner over you, that we are standing for you, that we are lifting the name of Jesus over you because we know He's gonna completely defeat your enemies. But we want you to see it and know it, that we're for you, that we're championing you. We think you've done amazing to make it through the last little season and we stand with you. And I just invite everyone across the room, if we can just begin to speak out the name of Jesus, particularly over our young people, to speak His presence, to speak His power, to speak His deliverance and freedom. We speak out in this place today that the Lord is our banner. We speak out the name of God, Jehovah Nissi. We speak it over our young people, the God who covers, the God who protects, the one who is our standard of victory, the one who comes through for us. And we speak this name over every enemy that would come against our young people, that every enemy that comes against your people, Lord, we speak your name that every weapon formed against them will not prosper, but will fall to the ground and be nothing. And we pray, Lord, for your love and grace, your power, to meet and encounter and cover and protect and carry every single one of them and bring them on from strength to strength. We pray in the name of Jesus. And over every person today, for those who stood, Lord, with needs in their lives, we agree today. We raise a banner together. We hold up our hands together to speak the name of our God, to declare the blood of Jesus, the sufficient power. This is what we depend on. This is what we raise over our lives. And we ask, Lord, that as we pray, that you would so summon your hosts to fight in every situation as we raise the banner, that we would see your victory. We would see your glory. We would see your honor and that you would be revealed to us even through the toughest tests that we face. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.